Nobody's Fault But Mine. I'm Eric Lindsay, your host this week, and we are going to dive into the biggest holiday of all, Christmas. And first, let me apologize. I've got some construction going on at my house, so you may hear some banging every once in a while. It's not me banging my, you know, fists on the table or something. It's some guys hammering on a on a addition that I'm doing to the house. But um, it's kind of one of those things where when the weather's good, you have to go with it, and it just coincides with the taping of this podcast. So, you know, sorry if it bothers you, but uh, hopefully it doesn't. So we're going to be diving into Christmas, and I know we are a few weeks away, but as things typically go, we will all be kind of driving around crazy, bustling, way busier than normal, you know, to maybe stop and learn or listen to a podcast. So I'm going to give Christmas a little early attention this year. But I just got into kind of a question about how did Christmas start? You know, what what kind of really set it off as First and foremost, our national holiday or, uh, you know, the world holiday. And how is it that it's, you know, kind of coinciding with Jesus's birth? You know, is it really the birthday of Jesus Christ? How, as Christians, should we celebrate it is kind of just a question that I, I brought up to myself a few weeks ago and started learning a lot more about it. And man, it's crazy guys, the way that Christmas came about and everything that's happened in history regarding Christmas. It's, it's kind of a wild, wild ride. So we're going to dive into it today. So we're going to be exploring again. How did Christmas start? Is it really the birthday of Jesus Christ and how Christians or how as Christians should we really celebrate it? Well, in order to kind of learn about it, we got to dive into history and crazy things have occurred throughout the last 2000 years regarding the busiest holiday of them all. Historians point to the fact that in the middle of winter, it's historically been a time of celebration around the world. Uh, now, that didn't make sense to me, but early Europeans celebrated light and birth in the darkest days of winter. Many rejoiced during the winter solstice. With uh, which is usually on December 21st or 22nd. So that started making sense to me. Now, what is the solstice? The solstice is when either of the Earth's poles reach its maximum tilt away the sun, away from the sun. So that resulted in the shortest period of daylight and the longest night of the year. So the celebration was warranted as from that day forward or from winter solstice forward, each day grew in its amount of sunlight and the worst of winter was behind them. Now, several celebrations kind of culminated around the winter solstice. Uh, the Norse celebrated Yule uh, from December 21st through January. In recognition of the return of the sun, male members of each family would bring home large logs, which they would set on fire. The people would feast until the log burned out, and that could take as long as you know, tw 12 days or more. Each spark from the Yule log represented a new pig or calf that would be born during the coming year. So there was all these kind of celebrations going along uh, around the world a long, long, long time ago. And the Norse kind of started with this, this celebration called the Yule or you know Yule log, which represented kind of the new birth of things coming up in the next spring. Throughout history, Easter was far more recognized by Christians over any random day in December, or is December 25th random at all? Well, the Bible does not specifically mention a date of Jesus' birth. However, in an old list of Roman bishops compiled in A.D. 354, these words appear, 
for AD 336 or AD 336. 25 December, Natus Christus in Betlehem, Judea. So this was written down in AD 336, or and that's translated into December 25th, Christ born in Bethlehem, Judea. This day, December 25th, 336, is the first recorded celebration of Christmas. Or I, I don't know if that should be celebration of Christmas, at least notation of Christmas. So that day, 25 of December, 336, was recorded by you know, a Roman bishop and essentially recorded the celebration of Jesus' birth. For the first 300 years of the church's existence, birthdays were not really given much emphasis, not even the birth of Christ. Christ's baptism received more attention than his birthday did in the January 6th Feast of Epiphany. So again, birthdays, not that big of a deal. Obviously, uh, Jesus' baptism on January 6th. Uh, and then the culmination of the Feast of the Epiphany. Again, I don't know if that's recorded actually in a, a document somewhere that January 6th was his uh, his uh, baptism's date. I just don't know. I hadn't researched that, but I was looking mainly at kind of Christmas and why is you know December 25th the, the recognized date. So the question is asked again, was Jesus really born on December 25th? Well, no one knows for sure on what day Christ was born. Now, help me out here. This is I'm, I'm, there's some Latin and all kinds of stuff going on here. Dion, Dionysus Exigius, a 6th century monk who was the first to date all of history from December 25th, the year of our Lord 1. Other traditions gave dates as early as mid-November or as late as March. How did Christmas come to be celebrated on December 25th. Again, cultures around the Mediterranean across Europe observe feasts on or around December 25th, marking the winter solstice. The Jews had Festival of Lights. Uh, of course, there's the Yule Festival that we talked about. Celtic legends connected the solstice with Baldur, the Scandinavian sun god who was struck down by a mistletoe arrow. And then at the pagan festival Saturnalia, Romans feasted and gave gifts to the poor. Drinking was closely connected with these pagan feasts. Now, historian William Tithe, or T-I-G-H-E, Tige, offers a different view. He said, when a consensus arose in the church to celebrate Christ's conception on March 25th, it was reasonable to celebrate his birth nine months later. So the consensus about Christ's conception's date um, was... March 25th. So nine months after that, December 25th. I mean, you, again, you're talking, you could get into all the different things about, well, some months have less than 30 days and some more and all that good stuff. But essentially, this historian, William Tiggy, offers uh, the fact that Christ's conception was essentially agreed upon to be March 25th. And then nine months later, it would be December 25th. So what about the origin of Christmas traditions? Um, well, during the Middle Ages, many of tr the traditional pagan customs became associated with Christmas. So believers in those days would attend church on Christmas, but that was followed by wild, like carnival-like parties uh, all, all over. The poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. 
If the owners failed to comply, they would be terrorized until they finally gave in. So uh, back in the day, you'd go to church and, you know, praise and worship and all that stuff. And then basically would be followed up by a bunch of parties where people would go around to each person's house. The poor would go to, you know, well, more well-off people and demand their best food and drink. Or if they didn't comply, yeah, who knows what would happen, but basically maybe they would burn them down or I, I don't know, rob them. I don't know what's going on, but that was, uh, that's kind of fun. Christmas became the time when the upper class could repay their debt to society for being successful. So, you know, it was kind of that time where they would give back. Ultimately, Christian stories replaced the heathen tales, but many of the common practices hung on. So like Yule logs or candles continued to be lit. Kissing under mistletoe remained common uh, in Scandinavia countries and, of course, feasts. But over the years, gift exchanges became connected with the name of St. Nicholas, a real but legendary figure of the 4th century Lycia, uh, a province of Asia. He was a charitable man who would go around and throw gifts into homes. So uh, St. Nicholas was kind of associated with the presence. And again, that kind of the whole theory and the whole, I guess, story of, of somebody that is more fortunate giving back to those that are uh, less fortunate. Now, several centuries later, so remember, this uh, St. Nicholas was kind of a legendary figure of the 4th century. Uh, around the 13th century, so a lot of time goes by, uh, Christmas carols and religious songs about the birth of Christ become prevalent. No one is sure just when the Christmas tree came into the picture. Uh, they say it originated in Germany. The 8th century English missionary St. Boniface, apostle to Germany, is supposed to have held up the evergreen as a symbol of the everlasting Christ. By the end of the 16th century, Christmas trees were common in Germany. And even some say Martin Luther cut, cut the first tree, took it home, and decked it with candles to represent the stars. Again, who knows, but that's just kind of what everybody points back to. Puritans forbade Christmas or, or forbid Christmas, considering it too pagan. Governor Bradford uh, of the New World actually threatened New Englanders with work, jail, or fines if they were caught observing Christmas. In fact, Christmas was banned around 1645 when Puritan Oliver Cromwell took over England, Scotland, and Ireland. King Charles II was restored eventually to the throne of England in 1658, and Christmas was again nationally celebrated. So for a period of, gosh, 13 years or so, Christmas was banned over in Europe uh, and even over in America. It was still kind of on a, on a rough road. The pilgrims that came to America in 1620 were even more orthodox in their Puritan beliefs than Cromwell. So the guy that banned it in 1645 the people that came to America around 1620, you know, 25 years before that, were even a little bit more kind of um, strict about their beliefs. Christmas was not celebrated in early America. From 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston. Anyone exhibiting Christmas spirit was fined five shillings. Now, Captain John Smith, if everybody remembers uh, the um, the Disney movie, uh, Captain John Smith in Jamestown made sure Christmas was celebrated, though. Could he have been the true hero of Christmas? Who knows? Although John Smith was trying to save it, Christmas still had a bit of an uphill battle in America. 
After the American Revolution in 1783, English customs fell out of favor. So this included Christmas. It was still celebrated, but considered a little old-fashioned for the newly formed United States of America. During the 1800s is when Christmas really started to grow around the world and in America. Americans began to embrace the holiday and change it from a drinking and being merry event into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. And the church continued its attempt to make the event wholesome and Christ-centered. So, you know, as you can imagine, probably going all the way back to 400 AD, the the church was always an ever-present symbol in the world. And it was trying to kind of turn Christmas from this crazy, almost Mardi Gras type event of drinking and just getting nuts uh, to something much more Christ-centered. And so they eventually, you know, in the 1800s, you know, several, several, several hundred years later, started to actually kind of win a little bit of traction in that regard. In 1819, Washington Irving wrote the sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon, a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. The sketches featured a well-to-do squire who invited the peasants into his home for the holiday. This was considered to be an invented occasion by Irving, but it worked to solidify the true customs of the season. So this book comes out in 1819, where he's essentially kind of creating this event, creating this holiday, you know, very Christmas-esque as far as traditions and, you know, all the stuff kind of around Christmas that had been going on for several hundred years. But he, you know, kind of took it to the next step and said, hey, this is the time to do these things. You know, he basically made up this holiday in this book. In 1843, Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol. It became one of the most popular short works of fiction ever penned. And although the book is more of a work of sentiment than Christianity, it captures something of the Christmas spirit. The book's appeal to good works and charitable contributions virtually defines Christmas in English-speaking lands. So again, you know, authors and, and kind of rituals and traditions and things like that were all centered around Christmas as the Bible itself doesn't have a whole bunch to say about Christmas. You know, people just kind of had to make up their own stuff based on, you know, going all the way back to the winter solstice and, you know, all the celebrations and all that good stuff uh, through all these pagan rituals and all this, you know, made up stories about People, you know, giving back to the poor and and those kind of things. Well, Christmas just kind of culminated into this major event. And, you know, what's even funny is is the Christmas Carol came out, what, in 1843 here. Christmas was not even declared a national holiday in the United States until June 26th, 1870. So it really... The mid-1800s is when Christmas really kind of came into its own being and started to be kind of widely adopted uh, as not only uh, the birth of Christ, but a celebration, you know, as a family celebration like it is today. Uh, So in essence, Christmas is fairly young in America in the scheme of things, and, and that's all really interesting to me. And I can't leave out the undisputed king of what Christmas is and how it should be celebrated came in the 1966 book, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash, which was later adapted into the 1983 movie, A Christmas Story. That is absolutely my go-to Christmas origination story. Christmas was fun up until then, of course, and we celebrated and we went to church and you know did all that stuff. 
but that movie changed everything about the season to me when I was 10 years old and that movie came out. Oh, the good old days. So again, so much has been said about Christmas and the birth of Jesus and really what is it all about? Um, well, it was, it was just kind of a, a bunch of stuff. So where did Christmas as we know it come from? Well, I think uh, it's kind of a historical stew of several different traditions, events, and rituals. The Bible really never mentions Christmas. In fact, several have said that through Exodus 32, we learn that creating false gods or altars in God's name actually angers him. So in this case, Aaron created the gold calf and the people celebrated with feasting and drinking. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you brought from Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. So God even says in this scripture that he almost wiped out all those whom he had just saved from Egypt until Moses pleaded with him to change his mind. He then brought down from the mountain, Moses, uh, two tablets, widely known as the Ten Commandments. But it goes on. People were slaughtered, plagues were released, all because people worshipped the golden calf Aaron had made. So go back and read Exodus 32, and it kind of talks about the fact that, um, you know, they the people thought they were worshipping God, but they created these false altars and these false idols. They, they took all the gold from all the people that have been just rescued, that Moses had just brought out of Egypt took all the gold, melted it down, made this golden calf, and then set up this altar. And this really angered God to the point where he he was just going to wipe them all out. But then Moses came down and kind of got control of the situation. But a lot of people are still killed. I mean, there's a slaughter and plagues and all kinds of stuff. So uh, pretty, pretty scary stuff to think that, you know, we've kind of taken Christmas and, you know, could you say it's kind of been created into a false altar or, or kind of the golden calf? I, I don't know. I mean, you make that decision yourself, but you could probably argue that pretty well. I think that no matter how Christmas came to be, we all need to be careful not to have it be our golden calf. I think that's my stance. Uh, not to forget the real meaning of Christmas. The world thinks it's about presents and feasts and drinking and being merry, that helping your fellow man and welcoming strangers and family alike into your home is what makes us good. Is that really what makes us uh, worthy of salvation? You know, is all that stuff kind of a substitute for salvation? You know, if you're not a Christian, you might not understand uh, what I just said. Christmas to Christians contains all of those things and more. But we must never forget that what may or may not have occurred on December 25th, you know, a long 2000 years ago, has nothing to do with partying or festivals. It is taking the time to remember that God gave us the highest and best gift of all in Jesus Christ, who came to take away our consistent and ever recurring insults to the Lord, our rebellion, our sin. I do love the Christmas season and all that, all that it has come to represent regarding goodwill, family, and gathering with friends. However, we must not let those things overshadow Jesus Christ and all that God gifted us through him. Lights and trees and presents are all good, but I think this year my home will be a little less blingy and a little bit more clingy, clinging to my hope and faith in Jesus Christ our Savior. 
So guys, thank you for listening and learning more about Christmas and all the ups and downs it had throughout our history. It's pretty interesting stuff. For nobody's fault but mine, I'm Eric Lindsay, and until next week, may God bless you. See you.